In the 1930s, 40s and 50s, there was a group of scholars and writers that would meet in a little pub, and it was called The Eagle and the Child. It was right outside the great University of Oxford in England. They were all associated with Oxford, and they were all professors. There was nothing really, I don't know, overwhelming about the pub, but in the back room there was this little area, and these four men would gather together. And they were not just professors and scholars, they were believers, they were Christians. And the name of the group was the Inklings. And the name symbolized was twofold, both those who deal with vague ideas, right? I have an inkling for something. But also those who dabbled in ink. The idea being that they were authors. The purpose of this group was to drink beer, which I like the group already, and read aloud these unfinished compositions that they were all working on and receive critiques from their colleagues. And what they were looking for and trying to do was they were looking for the most effective way to get across Christian themes within their masterpieces of literature. And probably the greatest and most well-known of this group was Clive Staples Lewis, also known as C.S. Lewis, the great author of Mere Christianity, The Chronicles of Narnia, Screwtape Letters, and many other fascinating Christian books. <clears throat> Another member who was not as well, know- well known until, I don't know, 10, 15 years ago, and now is maybe even more well known, is John Ronald Rayuel Tolkien. He goes by J.R.R. Tolkien. These guys are smart. They shortened their names, right? Because Clive, Ronald, Ruel, you know what I mean? Make it sounds cool. J.R.R. Tolkien, right? And he was the great master author of The Lord of the Rings. The Lord of the Rings is probably one of the greatest masterpieces of our time. And it was born out of Tolkien's lived experience of this fallen world. You see, Tolkien lived... Throughout the horrors of the 20th century, he even fought in World War II. I don't know if you know this, but there were more martyrs, you know, people who died for their faith, in the 20th century than there were all other centuries combined, from Christ until the 1900s. That's how bloody and horrific the 20th century has been. And the 21st century is not off to much of a better start. J.R.R. Tolkien himself fought in World War I. He saw how sin shredded the moral fabric and destroyed humanity. However, he was a devout Catholic and he was a faithful student of St. Augustine, one of the greatest theologians in the Catholic Church. St. Augustine said that sin, more than anything, is the lust to dominate. What does he mean by that? To exert power over other people, to have dominion over other people. The desire for power for Augustine was the very heart of all worldly corruption. And it is because of this that Tolkien puts all of this lust to dominate and manipulate and anger and horror into this ring. And this ring had an inscription upon it which gave away what its true meaning was. Because I don't know if you know this, but Tolkien was such a genius. Have you, okay, total side note. I'm on a soapbox here. Have you guys ever, have you noticed that movies are terrible? <clears throat> right? I have not seen a really good movie with a good plot where I'm like, I walked away and I wasn't like, oh, that was entertaining. I walked away and I'm like, man, that was awesome. You just don't get that anymore. And it's because I think we're getting dumber. 
These men, if you read their works, I mean, Tolkien recreated an entire world. He wrote his own language. Yeah, it's amazing. And we just don't do that. We don't have an imagination. But in that language, around that ring, it said this. One ring to rule them all. One ring to find them. One ring to bring them all and in the darkness bind them. You see, the enemy, he likes to make it think that he shares his power. But the Dark Lord shares his power with no one. He takes and he enslaves. And as Tolkien's story unfolds in this wild set of circumstances, the ring comes almost by chance into the possession of this little three-foot creature called a hobbit. Hobbits are the most, like, insignificant creatures in Tolkien's world. You know, you have mighty wizards, you have elves, you have dwarves, you have men, you have all these different orcs and goblins, and yet the hobbit is just seemingly, I mean, these, these little creatures, all they want to do is drink beer and smoke, okay, my kind of people, <laughs> and they live in the Shire, they eat seven times a day, seven times, breakfast, second breakfast, which that's one of my favorite meals, elevensies, Luncheon, afternoon tea, dinner, and then supper. All they do is just hang out. And they live in this beautiful, lush, green place called the Shire. What is Tolkien trying to get across? In order for us to really get into the high adventure, we have to leave the Shire. What's the Shire? It's our comfort zones. We have to get out of there. And this is what Frodo does. The little hobbit leaves. And when it falls into his hand, he doesn't use it for personal gain. He could. He is the most powerful thing in the world, but he doesn't. What does he do? He seeks to destroy it. Because he knows the danger of it. And as the story unfolds, this epic journey is not to find something, as most journeys are. It's to destroy and rid the earth of something. And the little hobbit has to get to where it was created. The very dark depths of hell itself on Mount Doom. And throw it into the fire from whence it came. Then and only then will it be destroyed. Now I hope you can see the Catholic undertones, right, of this story. God, his world is created good, but has been polluted by sin and the lust for power. We see this everywhere. In fact, if you can't see this going on right now. If you just turn on the news, all you're going to see is The lust for dominance. The lust for power over people. But it's not new. It's not new, you guys. It's as old as Adam and Eve. Go back to the beginning, right? The devil says to him, No, 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 no. God is, he's, he thinks that he's more powerful than you. But he knows if you choose for yourself, if you you rise up against him, that you'll become a god. And he doesn't want that. He's hiding something from you. And what happens? The lust for power to even 
exert power over God causes Adam and Eve to destroy all that was once good. And you guys, it's very, very important to realize this. The more you choose this, this dominance over others, this exerting your self-will in power, the darker it gets. This is why Tolkien has Frodo, as he moves closer and closer to Mount Doom, where this thing came from, he's moving closer and closer to the source. It gets heavier, it gets darker, it gets worse, it gets, it's terrible. And this happens to us, unless we start to choose against it. Because St. John tells us that God so loved the world that he sent his only son, so that those who believe in him might have life in his name. At the heart of the Christian story is God's love being sent into a messed up world. Someone who would take this terrible thing that plagues all of us, would grab sin itself, would carry it back to its origin from whence it came and destroy it. So why am I telling you all this on the Feast of the Baptism? Because when Jesus came, he came in one of the most insignificant, unassuming ways that nobody expected. The prophet Isaiah says the best. He says, he comes as a humble servant, not shouting, not crying out. And as he walks down into the muddy waters of the Jordan, shoulder to shoulder with sinners, could you have picked him out? Would you have, would you have recognized him? Based on today's gospel, Luke says, He came up out of the water and was praying and the skies opened and the dove descended upon him in, in human form and a booming voice from heaven, This is my beloved son. But let's take a look at it just a little closer with probably the best recollection of this event, which is in Mark's gospel. Listen to what Mark says. After Jesus was baptized, He came up from the water and behold, the heavens were opened for Him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending upon him like a dove. And he heard the voice. You are my beloved son. You guys, I don't think anybody in that place heard anything. I don't think they saw anything. Jesus was just another guy going down into the waters to be baptized by John. But this humble and simple person who has come not to lord his power over us. God knows enough people do that. Rulers who manipulate and dominate. And for what? For what? I, for the life of me. I cannot figure this out. You have all this corruption. And for what? So you get on top? So now you're the best? And all you got to deal with is all the terrible decisions you made, all the people you hurt, and then you're going to die? What kind of life is that? Who wants that? This is why the Son of God came to show us how to live. To bear our burdens with us, like a lamb, like a child. Dare I say, like a little hobbit. Who came to bear that which frustrates us. And ultimately to take it from us and destroy it from where it came. Christ doesn't use his power to dominate. Instead he shows us that power is in love and humble service. And you guys, this does not mean we don't fight. We do fight. The whole epic adventure of the Lord of the Rings is a fight. It's a war. But it's how you fight. 
You don't fight with domination and manipulation and lording your power over others. You do it through love, through service. And but for the record, that whole epic journey, the good guys, they always look like they're losing. They always look like they're losing till the very end. And if you haven't, no spoiler alert, I won't tell you what happens. And if you haven't seen it, you would never, ever guess the ending to those books in that movie. Because it's not what you're expecting. If we ever want to end the reign of sin and darkness in this world, we must try, at least try, to live as he lived. To use our power in love and humble service to serve each other, to care for each other, and to bring light into this world. This is our story. This is what you and I have been baptized into, and it's what we promised the day we were baptized. And above all, it's what we celebrate today on the Feast of the Baptism.